Would you care to step outside? Warning, DC and RMD contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Awesome. Oh, sorry. That's your signal. That means we have to go now. All right, hello, welcome everyone to DC on RMD, the Stargirl edition. How do you like that, Bob? The Stargirl edition. Um, something I never thought would be coming out of her mouth. Yeah. Two men covering Stargirl. <laughs> covering a teenage girl. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that sounds really disgusting. It does. Uh, take two. <laughs> All right, so the new TV series stars several DC Comics heroes led by Stargirl, who is based on the comics character created by Jeff Johns. Uh, she's a teenager named Courtney Whitmer, played by the very lovely Breck Basinger, who teams with her seemingly not-so-cool new stepfather, Pat Dugan. Is it sad that I find a lot relatable with that character? The not cool. Oh, I was like, father. the teenage girl or no, the no, no. father? No, no, I definitely find things relatable <laughs> when it comes to Pat Dugan. I'm like, why is he ba- being made to look not cool? I think he's pretty fucking cool. He drives a sweet ass car. I mean, he's a sidekick to a superhero. So, 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 who you're a sidekick to a superhero? I guess so. Just go with it. <laughs> All right, so Stargirl, DC Universe's Stargirl, not the CW. I don't care what people say. It is a co-joint venture, however. It will be broadcasting at the same time, parallel, the CW and the DC Universe streaming service. Now, when this show was announced, you and I and the network were kind of shrugged, like, okay, Stargirl, we had already had... Doom Patrol, we had already had Titans. So we had thought, okay, listen, Stargirl may not be our thing personally, but the DC Universe streaming service is putting out some pretty great content, so we're all going to check it out. Yeah, and and don't forget the cartoons. You know, Harley Quinn shocked the hell out of me. Right. Um, And so it's they haven't failed yet. Swamp Thing was good until it got canceled. Right. I mean, we're dealing with a pretty consistent network network. Yeah. yeah. But even before Swamp Thing had dropped or even Harley Quinn, we had just Titans and Doom Patrol when Stargirl was announced. Yeah. We were like, yeah, we're going to we're going to check this out. And then when it was announced that it was going to the CW, we all just hung our heads very low. It's over. That's I think that's exactly what you said on the phone call. Yeah, it's over. It's done. And my excitement level just dropped and I had no intention in watching Stargirl because for the most part, I think it's fair to say that most of us are kind of fed up with the CW's productions, how they all fall. For the most part, the shows fall into the same category of melodrama, rinse and repeat. If you watch one CW show, you've seen them all, unfortunately. It's Dawson's Creek in superhero uniforms. Yes. So because we had heard that Stargirl was going over to the CW, we we all but just gave up on the show. 
And then about four months ago, they had said, no, guys, stop. Because they must have felt the bad press. Mm -hmm. Because they quickly said, no, 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 no. This will also debut on the DC Universe. This is still a DC Universe show. We're just resyndicating it on the CW. And then I was a little bit more excited. Well, yeah, you got to look at it as, uh, you know, a, a sports sh- channel, like syndicating their thing on ESPN Deportes, you know, to where you get, you know, the same content. It's just, okay, we're going to put it in different languages. Right. Um, and again, it, 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 I look at it now, if they keep the production value as it is, and it's definitely a DC show, you know, coming from the DCU. Yeah. It's a way to get it out there because if people realize, and again, I haven't watched it. I, I watched it on the app. And so I'd be interested to go back and see what they do on the CW. If they're like, if you want more of star girl, or you want to see her earlier, or you want to see other things like her, go to the DCU app. Right. If they're using it as like a promotional machine, like they should be, they better be. Because especially since we found out that the episodes, the first two episodes that will be airing on the CW are 10 minutes short. Yeah, they are cut for commercials. Allegedly, by episode three, the episodes will be cut down to fit so that you people won't be missing things if they're watching the CW version. And that's for one reason. The plan originally was for it to only be on the DCU. But right around that time of the announcement was also the cancellation of Swamp Thing before the season even aired. Yeah. So when they had canceled Swamp Thing before the first episode even dropped and then Stargirl was announced that it was going over to the CW, there was a lot of question marks. What is happening? How is this happening to a network that's churning out some amazing shows so far, of course, being Titans and Doom Patrol at that time? Quite simply, it's a bit of an experiment, I think, that Warner Brothers is doing because, yes, they're doing pretty damn well on their streaming service for the most part. But as as I have said numerous times on our Doom Patrol edition discussion, the DC Universe streaming app is niche. It's only going to cater to the, the a very niche demographic. People like you and I who are looking for DC content, your your grandmother, your sister, they're not going to watch Doom Patrol or Stargirl or Swamp Thing no. or Titans if it's only on the DC streaming service. It's not like it's on Netflix or Amazon. So what the DCU producers are doing is they're finding new and creative ways to basically double dip. They did it with Titans with that Netflix international deal. They reaped the benefits, just found a pot of gold at the yeah. end of that rainbow by putting Titans internationally on Netflix. It more than made up for any budgetary issues that they might have had during that first season. Doom Patrol now going over to HBO Max and streaming on DCU. So they're going to continue to find creative ways so they can keep putting out the niche programming for the DCU streaming service, but also, hey, let's double dip. And honestly, why not? Well, okay, so, you know, behind the scenes for us, some of our biggest viewerships or follows when it comes to our social media are from countries like Brazil. Yeah, right. 
So they have to get the like how many times have we got the questions when are you going to release this like we are the CW. You know, when are you going to release this on, you mm-hmm. know, t- television in Brazil? And and so you have to take advantage of that. I mean, you look at the movie markets and how things are. It's not always America driven now. It's what's the worldwide box office. And so it is smart for DC to, to sit there and go, all right, well, we put the money into it. Now let's see who's willing to buy it and take that money. And so, you know, those Netflix deals, this, the CW deal, you know, might as well. Because, again, how many more millions of people are, were able to enjoy Titans who were not able to yeah. internationally because of that Netflix deal? And they wouldn't have had an option to watch it except through means of pirating. Yeah. And Stargirl, okay, let's say you have 500,000 people watching it on the DCU. Yeah, that's pretty good, especially if they're all paying five ninety nine a month. That's great. But why not get the extra $1.5, $1.8 million on the CW who aren't subscribed to the DCU? And then sell advertisement for commercials. Especially in a desperate television market. Yeah. I honestly think it's a smart way to do things. It's, and you're going to see more studios doing this more and more because of the era that we're in right now with the streaming services you're gonna see people wanting to double dip there's already rumors that the uh, star trek series that are exclusive to cbs all access right now are going to be launching i want two three year delays on regular network television and, and and again, I think that makes sense because the days of syndication are over. The days of the a- afternoon TNT yeah. uh, supernatural followed by Arrow for all the stay at home moms is over. Yeah, uh, because again, we have access to everything right away, and these streaming services are pulling it. And uh, I'm assuming that you know the the writers' unions, the actors' unions, and all this will be like, okay, if it's making more revenue for us, go ahead and distribute it that way. Yeah. And yes, syndication is has gone the way of the dodo for the most part. But I think standing right before us is a new version of yeah. syndication. Well, because you're not looking for that hundred episode, yeah, mark that that was always there for syndication. Mm-hmm. That that uh, a, a smaller station is not going to buy something for twenty two episodes. They right. want it for years. Yeah, um, even though you know some shows seem that they. Back in the day, they were bought like that. But yeah, I hope this works out because anytime you can bring another revenue stream into a show and keep the production value and offset the cost, mm-hmm. that means we're, we're going to be more willing to keep doing these shows. You know, it, OK, we had a loss at the six month point, but at the two year point, we doubled our profits. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. You're going to see a lot less shows being canceled if they can split the cost across not just one network essentially and being able to get two, but especially building up that much needed library. Now that many of these, these streaming services want, they mm-hmm. want that library. Like I guarantee you in a year, two years, Stargirl is going to drop on HBO max guaranteed. Yeah. Why not? If, if we own it and let's go. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I hope this is the future. I hope this is the future that keeps the, like I said, the production value up in these shows. So we're not cutting. Like, I mean, we used to make fun of flash like, Oh shit, they must be saving the, uh, uh the budget yeah. for the gorilla grot episode yeah. that's coming up in three weeks. It, right now. Okay. So that let's get into that part then. Okay. Because one thing we can both say about episode one of star girl is the visual effects were fucking amazing. 
like just the opening 15 minutes blew me away. Yeah. I was really impressed with how they opened up their first chapter. Absolutely amazing. So I want to talk about expectations versus what we received. I expected a white black lightning. If that makes sense. Yeah, no. Yeah. To, to where it was going to be following a teenage angst girl around as she goes to high school and has to deal with superpowers. Again, we could be getting there, but it, it really wasn't. I mean, I sometimes, I, you know, I'm deemed one of the DC experts on the, the, the network. Mm-hmm. Now, I had zero knowledge of what this character really was i knew who she was the source material yeah yeah and and i think that helps me out sometimes where i don't come in with a, a, like a, a hard expectation of you know for you know say it was batman or superman it's like i want this 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 and this and if that doesn't happen fuck this show yeah, right um star girl it wasn't like that it was just like all right well you know let me give it a shot um, I want to say that those first 10 or 15 minutes, I wasn't sure still. Like really? The, the, you, didn't, you weren't blown away with that introduction? I, I, I was, but then like the, the Joe McHale, uh, <laughs> Wilson, like interaction there at the beginning, I was like, I was like, is this like, that what was, kind of show is this? That was a little, I'll admit that was a little rough. I did get a little nervous. I was like, okay, is this slapstick? Yeah, right? like, is this what I, we're going to get? I, I didn't know. Is this, is this, is this our tone? Like, I, I, luckily it, it was not. No, but yeah. you could see where I kind of hesitated. I will give you that. Yes. Yeah. I paused and I was like, you can't hold the stick. Why can't I hold the stick? You're not powerful enough or, you know, all that other bullshit that was going on. I was like, really, guys, this this seems like a Saturday Night Live skit at this point. Yeah. Um, but overall, like the effects and everything else, I was like, shit, why, why didn't we get this in Justice League versus the Justice Society right off the bat? I, I, like a, yep. as a show itself. Uh, so if, if that's their, their kind of their lead in for this, you know, that the, the injustice society is going to be the big bad mm-hmm. and they set up that kind of tone with it right away. And we kind of really didn't know what was happening. You know, that that's, that's a solid, like pull you in moment. Yeah. A part of me wonders what this means. And we're going to go back and forth. It's just it's just the nature of these discussions. When you have a new show and it's streaming on DCU and the CW, we're going to compare it to the CW stable of shows. But what does this do to the perception of the other shows on the CW when people most people aren't going to realize that this is a DC Universe show? No, most people turn tuning in to watch this either on the, the next day on the app, the CW app or live that night. They're going to push play and they're going to say, shit, this looks great. And then they're going to watch during the next hour, the flash Mm -hmm. and like, wow, this looks like shit. It's going to change the perception. So there's a bit of a catch 22 here. You're putting a show that's benefiting from a budget on the DCU streaming service compared to what they have on the CW. If I were the shows on the CW, Flash, the showrunners on the Flash, Legends, Batwoman, Supergirl, I'd be a little miffed and a little concerned that the quality of our show is going to be so blatantly obvious. Yeah. What I want to find out is 
you know, you said we're going to be doing this comparison. It's because it's what we do. We've spent five years covering CW shows. I could write a CW show in my sleep. Yeah. Um, Let's do it right now. You could probably do it in 30 seconds. Yeah. um, I'm going to lie to you, Mike. Um, I'm going to do something behind your back that is totally justifiable, but I'm not going to tell you why I did it until you get super angry at me. And then you sleep with Deb and then I find out and then that you have that against me. And then I have this against you. And then we end up hating each other. But then we come back at the end and realize that we are better together and we have to battle out there against our big bad. You just wrote an entire season. Good the, job. The end. Um, so. I want to know if. Dude, if that. I don't want to. We have a lot of listeners that listen that watch the CW shows, but it's got to be pretty fucking obvious how we're just kind of burnt out on them because yeah, dude, dude, the fact that I could see that produced what you just said, I can seriously see that being produced for a season of say Supergirl or the flash. Yeah. Um, but, but I always wonder now are the 13 episodes budget wise, the same as the 22 episodes budget wise. Yeah. That if they start looking at it and we see a successful run for Stargirl on the CW at a 13 episode clip, it, is this going to change their minds? No, I don't think so because you also have to remember that their budget is based on, is based on a 22, 23 episode so it's season like- and who they're selling to advertisers wise. They, you have your sales guy that says, hey, you know what? We are producing 23 episodes of The Flash this year. Uh, this is your rate for 23 episodes. Okay. It, and that rate will drastically be cut literally in half. So I don't think that would work necessarily. Now, you can do creative things behind the scenes. We see it. In fact, you had mentioned it at the top of the show as a joke. You're going to cut this so that you can have an epic fight scene three episodes later. Mm-hmm. Getting into my expectations then. So I expected, unfortunately, even though I knew this was originally produced for the DCU exclusively, I was expecting to moan and groan and roll my eyes every five minutes like I do when I watch a show on the CW. Fortunately, you can tell this show was produced by the people that are part of the DCU. It was, yes, it was executive produced by Berlanti, but Berlanti also does Doom Patrol and Titans as well as Swamp Thing. Yeah, and done things like you and Uh, 23,000 other shows. So we know it's not necessarily him, but there is a specific demographic that the CW seems to write for, and they feel like this is the one thing they want. Now, the... Stargirl does in fact fit into the CW demographic. I will agree that it does feel now they said tone wise, uh, Jeff Johns was interviewed saying that he felt like it fits tone wise and who am I to argue with Jeff Johns, but he's also just doing lip service. He's out there promoting. And what is he going to say? I don't want my fucking show on the CW. It's garbage. No, he's not. He says that when they took a step back and they looked and they realized, Hey, tone wise, it fits. You see a lot of similar things on the CW, but I would disagree, completely disagree with that statement. Tone wise, this fits Titans and Doom Patrol, except it's not mature. Mm -hmm. Thematically, it does fit on the CW because you're dealing with themes relating to family and the teenager going through growing pains in school 
and having to deal with a loss of a parent or at least that wanting of the love of a parent. That's pretty much on par with things we've seen on the CW. So thematically, yes, tonally, I just I don't see it. To me, this fits like a this feels like Titans and Doom Patrol minus the mature content. Yeah. And that it because of that, it actually exceeded my expectations because I was pleasantly surprised. I thoroughly enjoyed the show and I had no I, I had no idea that I would enjoy it this much. In fact, I text you the moment I think 15 minutes in, I was like, dude, the VFX are great. Yeah. And then after I was done watching, I text you again and said, dude, I really liked it. Yeah. And I, I think I told you Monday or whenever after I watched it, I was like, wow, it is completely different. It's like the CW shoots on an iPhone versus, <laughs> you know, somebody with a real camera shooting a show because, you know, even like the filters and everything that they use to soften the, the shots, mm-hmm. you know, look completely different. So you can't even. Because even there is a there's a look that all the CW shows use. Yeah. You know, even when they introduce Black Lightning and they've introduced Batwoman, it's not like we got a completely different, you know, Zack Snyder filter over the fucking top of Batwoman. No, it's all in the color grade. The color grades, how you match your shows. And that's how the CW and that's how you get a crossover, right? So they all look the same. Right. Because it would suck to have your Flash costume look like shit on Arrow because you have a different, you know, like you said, a color grade there. Yeah. Whereas with the Stargirl, it, it, the color grade fits Doom Patrol and Titans. And that's why I think it's funny that so many people are, so many blogs are trying to attribute this show to the CW. Saying, oh, CW's latest show part of the Arrowverse. I'm like, hmm, this isn't, this isn't a CW show. This isn't an Arrowverse show. This is a show being syndicated. That's like saying the reruns of Arrow on TNT uh, makes it a TNT show. Yeah. This, this is not for, for all intents and purposes, this is a DCU streaming show. And I, and I think that's what the issue with the crossover was. You know, they they did a whole last scene to where they showed that the multiverse is together, that there is no such thing as a separate movie universe and a separate television universe that they jumped uh, to, to Earth. You know, one is Earth Prime yeah, they, and that's the CW Earth two is Stargirl Earth 666 is Lucifer. Uh, it's just like, OK, does that mean Lucifer a fucking Arrowverse show? No, it's on Netflix. Dude, that's why I hated that crossover. I know listeners are probably throwing things at me, but. It's like they they wanted everyone to like blow them for doing this. And all they did was literally whip their dick out and piss all over everything DC that's been made since the dawn of territory. They're marking their territory like we own this now. We own this now. Let me oh, let me pee over there. Now I own that. Hey, guys, you remember Burton's Batman? That's Earth 89. Yeah, let me spray it over there. You guys like Adam West and Burt Ward? That's Earth 66. Yeah. Hey, Batman, open your mouth. I'm just going to spray all in there. Yeah. So, yeah. So the biggest win for me overall, besides the writing, which we'll get into that in a second, but is the motion picture quality. It was very cinematic and something that Jeff Johns had said in an interview. And this is why a show like this stands out. Number one, you have Jeff Johns, who's from the theatrical, the feature film side of things. So that's. That's a win right there. Number one. So he's going in looking 
at this, not as, you know, I'm going to make a. Does he get his job back because the Snyder Cut's released? <laughs> Maybe. So stupid. <laughs> so Jeff Johns went into production, not the writing, because I always say you you can't have a a feature film director or producer writing for TV because typically they don't know how to write for TV. But in terms of production, pre-production, he handled this like a feature film. He had a company called, uh, I believe it's called Third Floor, and they handle something called previs. And people may not know what previs is. Basically, it's the it it's a process in pre-production where you visually map out scenes in a movie or a TV show, a music video. And it's not just the the classic of storyboards. Back in the day, there used to be just storyboards. Now, because of the advent of technology, there's so many different avenues you can utilize. So they use, you know, photography, storyboards, you know, animation. Sometimes they'll have an entire CGI sequence roughly mapped out. Uh, the person who really took this idea by by the horns was James Cameron, where he would just start shooting with an actual camera on set and you would see the CGI roughly complete. Yeah, I, I've actually seen that. Um, I want to say it was like in the Bumblebee extras. Yeah. To where it looks like somebody just drew cartoons mm-hmm. over the top, yeah. you know, and everything's rough, but it kind of shows you what the scene would have looked like. Right. Um. So, again, if you're taking that approach, it makes sense on why it looks so clean. Dude, and that's how they were able to save money. According to Jeff Johns, he says because they worked with this company, Third Floor, on completely animated previs for some of the action sequences, they were able to map out that opening sequence in the pilot before they even got on set. It was already worked out. So when it was filmed, they then went into edit and it was so easy to edit because they already had a version of the edit and they just simply had to copy it over. Mm-hmm. And that way they could capture the scope that they had wanted very easily and because they had that type of plan in place you could save a lot of money in the back end with budgets and that's what he said he needed to do for this because he didn't want to go over budget because you can see with a series like this and imagine being berlanti or the the lords that may be in charge are reading that pilot episode and like wait what the fuck you're gonna have an entire battle go down in a mansion in 15 minutes there's gonna be explosions flying you know cars and yeah and like an avengers level fight scene come on we can't afford this is the the dcu what are you doing so because they had their swamp thing didn't have their taxes together (laughs) what are you doing don't make me swamp thing you bro (laughs) because i'll do it it just shows what a good producer and a good showrunner will do, do to th- make sure his show can look pristine. So do you think a lot of that has to do with it being produced and filmed in the hub in Atlanta versus the cattlecade in Vancouver? Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, because the, the Georgia gives all kinds of tax breaks. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm sure if listeners, you've seen the made in Georgia thing at the end of 10,000 shows. So there's got to be those kind of things like all around there ready to go, mm-hmm. um, you know, looking for work or wanting to get it. And so it probably helps that it was, you know, filmed in Atlanta. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
I, I do believe so. It's It has a lot to do with that and the people that you put in place. The fact that I'm sure Jeff Johns brought his crew, you know, on board. Yeah, you. It's this, this is overall a Berlanti production. And you do have, I believe you have director Glenn Winter, who directed the pilot episode. And correct me if I'm wrong. Glenn Winter's from Flash. Glenn yeah. Winter's been on Doom Patrol. Glenn yeah. Winter was on you. Yep. I can tell you all the things he's been on because it's one of those ones I've read 10,000 times over my career on the radio. So it goes to show you when we get on the mic here and we want to piss all over an episode. It's not always the director's fault. It, it always, that's why, who do I always blame? I always blame, blame the writer. I always blame the writer. And I always blame the showrunner. I, I don't always blame the writer of the immediate episode either. I usually blame the showrunner. If it's always an issue, I'm like, well, the writing's off here. The writing's off here. The writing's off here. Then it goes back to the showrunner. So if you have Glenn Winter, who's been directing since, I mean, according to my notes here, he even started on Smallville. He was even directing episodes on Smallville. Yeah. So you have a guy who's very capable of directing and then he directs the pilot episode of Stargirl and just knocks it out the park. I mean, the camera blocking was fantastic to sit down and work with a scene like that. I have to think that those opening 15 minutes is bigger than anything he's ever directed. Right. Yeah. It has I mean, to be. I'd have to go back and look at which ones he's done, but yeah, definitely. It's more elaborate. Maybe there were longer fight sequences that he might've directed, but when you look at the how elaborate and how in-depth that entire 15 minutes, you know, actually was. Mm -hmm. Yes, again, previs was done and you had a great map. But listen, a director needs a great map. That's what previs does. I mean, if you give the director the proper tools, he's going to be able to churn out something great. So I'm. I'm going to have to go back and want to say about some of these directors. Uh, on the CW, wow. it just it is the showrunners. It's not the directors. If you give them, if you give them a solid plan, they're going to deliver. So he was the cinematographer for Arrow and Flash. Yeah, I believe we talked about this years ago. He made a switch at some point. Yeah, it, later on he's been directing all the episodes, but early on, yeah, he was a cinematographer. Well, and that might have helped with the blocking. Mm -hmm. The fact that he knows the verbiage, he can easily you know, talk with the director of photography and get exactly what he wanted. Okay, think about that. You have a guy who is a cinematographer directing a visually, you know, uh, you have me versus you putting together a movie. What do you want? I want that one scene that was like, um, do you remember that episode where uh, Oliver did this thing? And I want that. And then you're like, I need this shot and this shot and yeah. uh, we're done. And I'm like, well, and then it was cool when they <laughs> shot the thing across and I want it from the arrow point. Like, is it a point of view? I think it's a point of view. Yeah, That's dude, the porn, right? So stupid. <laughs> you make jokes, but that's actually one of the biggest problems that a lot of directors who are new, they run up against on set, especially on a TV show, because you, when you're a director walking on on a set, on a machine, you, you're you're an outsider. You're not a director of a feature film. Mm -hmm. You are at the the call of the writer and the cinematographer. In many ways, in fact, not in many ways, in all the ways, the cinematographer <laughs> pretty much uh, controls the entire look of the set. So <laughs> we don't we don't have that camera. <laughs> <laughs> I want the Matrix shit. Yeah, we don't have that camera. This is what we have. You know, just sit over there and look pretty, okay? 
Yeah. I'm running the shit. Just sit down and we'll give you your credit. <laughs> no. So it does help when the director gets on the scene and knows the verbiage, knows the lens, knows what the focal length and understands, hey, I want this because of that reason here. And the cinematographer could be like, dude, beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Simple. My job's easier. Done and done. Yeah. And then you have Jeff Johns on the set. So you just have a bunch of accomplished individuals just putting together a pilot show that ends up on the CW. Now, let's talk about that for a second. okay? You and I had debated when this was first announced to go over to the CW and we had all thought that it was now off the DCU. Mm -hmm. The first thing we said, there's no way Luke Wilson stays on the show. And Luke Wilson was only listed for the pilot. Yes. And this is before we had heard that Amy Smart was also attached to it. Yeah. So now that we know this is going to be on the DCU as well, do you see Luke Wilson staying rather than going? Because we made jokes that his manager called DCU immediately and said, wait a second, my, my client is not going to be on the CW. Because that would be kind of career suicide for Luke Wilson and Amy Smart, right? Yeah. And we're, again, we're not stating that these are huge Hollywood actors and no, actresses. But they're bigger. But they aren't CW actors. And right. Actresses. And we're not bashing the CW actors either. There are some amazing actors yeah. on the CW. Amazing actors. But there are career levels. And Luke Wilson is an Oscar-nominated actor. Yeah. So for him to be on a CW show, show exclusively. And, and Amy Smart has showed her boobs on film. Dang. Can you send me those links? Sure. Thank you, Mr. Skin. Can always count on you. Yeah. Luke always. Wilson hasn't showed his dick. Well, I wasn't really interested in that. Just saying. Let me look at him real fast. <laughs> Would I be interested in seeing that? <laughs> so. Only if it's going out of Amy Smart. Oh, Jesus. All right. So. Gee, I'm all out of sorts now. You got but, me confused with uh, Luke Wilson. Dick it's and, so fucking weird. Yeah. Um, you know, you're right, though. The uh, the fact of the matter is this. The, the It's like Calista Flockhart going from CBS to CW. Why did she leave after the first season? Yeah. There, she's like, you know what? Harrison Ford's wife I, is not going to be on the CW. You know, I, I'm not going to be able to ride the Falcon up here every fucking yeah, weekend. So stupid. Harrison Ford's all, bitch, you're going to make me look bad. Yeah. Okay. Like, I can't fly that I, far. I'm I a can... fucking Hollywood elite. You're not going to be on fucking CW. Yeah, I don't want to walk a red carpet with you and my old man earring in and then have them ask what's going on on Supergirl. <laughs> oh, earring. Oh, you imagine him being on the red carpet as they're asking his wife about some CW show. You know, he would walk away. Yeah. You're like. Can I leave you for a younger wife like I did my other wife? My my wife's on TV. <laughs> he doesn't even know. He's like, wait a second, you're on Supergirl? <laughs> what did that happen? What's the CW? <laughs> yeah, so we're not bashing the actors. No. There's a level in terms of your career. And Calissa Flockhart isn't going to be on the CW. That's why she left. That's exactly why she left after the first season of Supergirl. Mm-hmm. You know, they dress it up and make it sound not so elitist by saying, oh, she her life's in L.A. She's not going to move to Vancouver. But listen, everybody on that set's life was on L was was in L.A. Yeah. And they all moved to Vancouver, except that Asian guy who was on all the shows. Yeah. <laughs> so Luke Wilson, if this show is to for some reason go to exclusively to the CW. 
what's going to happen. Okay, so if it goes exclusively to CW and it moves to Vancouver. Which we don't see that happening. I, I wouldn't know. I would say he's out. I would agree. Um, I, I honestly even Amy Smart too, right? Amy Smart and uh, dude, like you said, uh, Breck. What's her name? I think Jeff Johns would be out <laughs> at this point. Jeff Johns wants nothing to do with he's those later. Guys. He's like, uh, I'm already a producer on all those shows. I don't need to worry about going but, back up there. You know, listen, I was fucking producing the DCU, the DC Cinematic Universe, and now I'm producing a show on the CW. <laughs> I was the president of the DC. And the coronavirus police just take me now. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't, again, I was, I halfway expected um, Wilson to die in this episode. In fact, we were joking about because that. Because he was only listed as one on yeah. IMDb and yeah. everybody else had 13 under their name. And so is he still listed as one Paul? You're looking at me weird. No. Um so I uh I, man, I just don't know. I you're you're right though. It's just like I I could see the pitch going in. It's like the the streaming services are the next big thing. And Jeff Johns going in there and be like, look, this character is very important to me. I made this about my sister. Um, this is this is my passion project. This is my heart. I want you to be part of this. And then to find out, you know, oh, well, we're going to the CW. You know, I, I just don't see that him kind of writing that. They'll, they'll recast him just like Ruby. Well... I, well. <laughs> I don't see Jeff John sticking around either. If this show were but, to, in fact, just become a see, CW I, original. But would you do that if it was, again, you know, the, the background of his 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 sister died when she was 18 in a, in a plane wreck. And the, they, this character was kind of created around her. Courtney is her name. Courtney is her, his sister's name. Would you just let like your property kind of go? Yes, you would. You remain an executive producer, but you're no longer the showrunner. I mean, uh, dude, if you can't afford to do the show you want to do, I mean, he's using third floor for previs. Uh-huh. I don't think a CW budget would allow for third floor to do a previs. Okay. Do you honestly see Jeff Johns staying a showrunner if it goes just to the CW? A, a showrunner? Yes. I don't know, man. I could see him remaining involved creatively, but it's going to be notes. It's going to be him emailing from his mansion but in Los Angeles. I, 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 I see. I don't look at it any different than technically Googs or, you know, anybody else that came from the comics world that is doing television at this point. Yeah, but Jeff Johns was up here for a long time. I guess you get what I'm saying. Like he was in charge of the movies. That's a big step. And for him to go from the movies to being a showrunner on the CW, that's a big, that's a big stumble, don't you think? In career wise, let me preface this: I am not sitting here bashing the CW. I enjoy the CW at times. The CW has given us almost 800 shows, I, right? <laughs> I'm not between DC and Supernatural, but we can't sit here and pretend there isn't a difference between the DCU and the CW and the DC Cinematic Universe and the CW. Oh, I know. Yeah. And so I'm just trying to reiterate that point for the listeners who are like, who the fuck is this Michael? Where's Bobby and Angelica and Ryan? Uh, they go stalk him on Instagram and like all the photos of Angelica. Yeah. Half they ain't liking my shit. I know. Like, Come on, bro. Right. Give us a like. Ryan's. What I got to do? Rock climb and show my asshole? Like what? What? I'm, sh- I'm just saying. Just what? go with it. Like I haven't seen her asshole. <laughs> you haven't? What? 
You're missing out. <laughs> Stupid. All right, let's go to a quick break. And then when we get back, we'll get into the the sentimental side of this show and the concept of Stargirl as a whole when it comes from Jeff Johns. You looking at nerd? Huh? I thought I was looking at my mother's old douchebag, but that's in Ohio. <laughs> Geek out Saturday. The force is the force. Let it be ambiguous. Let's not weigh it down with any little, hey, I can control it with a rock. <laughs> I'm a Jedi now because I have a blue stone in my pocket. Running throughout them. But the last few that he's done have met with universal scorn. I mean, I don't want her anywhere near Arrow. Yeah, no, like she is the Stephen Amell, the Grant Gustin. Yes. He wasn't an oh, iconic yeah. director by any means, but he did make his mark in the 60s and 70s with with movies like this. I know we're joking because that's what we do. The idea that it could be used against the Nephilim. That whole, right. there's this multiple times now they've said there's only five beings in all of creation that it can't kill. They're saying that for a reason. Catch up on your favorite Rain Man digital geek shows every Saturday. DC on CW, Back to Tank, Weird West Radio, The Crossroads, and more. Geek Out Saturday on Rain Man Channel 001. Listen for the Rain Man digital app or tune in. Just search RM Channel 001. Open Sesame! <laughs> I'm trying. When you say, I'm trying. When you say, I'm trying. Hard in a cyberneck body. I'm trying. It's the stuff of satire. I'm trying. Like, I'm trying. Dude, who in the writing room? <laughs> like, hey, what if we put Picard in a cybernetic body? <laughs> Mike, Mike, remember. It's the thing. It's the stuff that jokes are made of. <laughs> Remember, we're trying. We're trying. We gotta take. We gotta take at least make a social statement <laughs> with your stupidity. There wasn't even a social statement. It's like, oh, he's in a. I know. I know. Someone on the internet tried to make a defense of this. Think, well, it's saying essentially we're just our, we're just bags of meat, and the only thing that matters is our consciousness. I'm like, really, really? <laughs> no, no, my. Let's let's dwell on the positive. Dwell on the positive. If they were to bring back Jordy in this role, this would make that would make sense. It would. It, it, it could help the narrative. You know what could help the narrative, David? Having a new showrunner. <laughs> Star Trek from the holodeck, exclusively on Rain Man Digital. Head over to RainmanDigitalMedia.com or search for it wherever you listen to podcasts. End simulation. Welcome back, everyone, to DC on RMD, the Star Girl Edition. All right. Bob, so you had an article over there mm-hmm. that went into the details pertaining to the concept of Stargirl and why it's so important to Jeff Johns. So, uh, again, I, I kind of spoiled it a little bit earlier, but Courtney Johns was his younger sister who died in a plane crash in 1996. She was 18 at her death. And so Jeff created Courtney Whitmore in his sister's memory. And he's the actual creator of the Stargirl comic as well, then. Yes. Okay. I was not aware of that. In, you know, he's quoted to say, in her spirit and optimistic energy, I wanted to put that back into the world of Stargirl. It's in her spirit. 
And oh, it, oh, Kurt, horrible fucking article repeated the same quote twice. That is not my fault. But uh, it's po- supposed to be Stargirl's supposed to be positive and forward looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, I've written a lot of superhero stories in my career, but this is by far the most personal on every level. And so, you know, uh, that's why I think a lot of this is is his passion project. Yeah. You know, and probably why the first episode was so solid. And, uh, you know, for I guess we would have never recognized it because we don't know what his sister looks like. But one of the pictures that was on, like, the bulletin board when she was moving Mm -hmm. was of his sister and her together. They, like, photoshopped them together. Oh, that's sad. You know, and it was yeah. like, it was like, according to some articles, like a blink if you missed it, Easter egg, click here. And I'm like, oh, it's clickbait. And I clicked it. And of course, now I have a fact. But <laughs> um, so, it, again, I, I, it, I, you always wonder what it's like for a creator of uh, a character like this to have that kind of control, especially something that is so personal to him. I mean, that's pretty cool. The fact that he created this. Because of his sister, and then now he gets to see it in live action form on a TV show. Yeah, when it was just in picture books, you know, for all these years. Yeah. So that uh, makes me like this a little more. I mean, because it also gives me faith that the first season is going to be really strong. Well, yeah, emotionally because of that, it, you you wanted to have it. If he loved his sister as much as it looked like in the article, and you know, talking about just her energy in general, that's the kind of superhero you would want us to see uh it was something that we saw in supergirl for the longest time was just that overly happy like don't worry we can work through this type superhero that we don't see because everything these days for superheroes is more on that vigilante side of like dark and brooding and we have to do this and Mm -hmm. and and this is definitely a different type of character Mm -hmm. uh when it comes to it uh again there might be some black lightning comparison just because of the two females in that become superheroes and they're in the high school type scenario, but it doesn't feel like it's going to be the same thing. Um, again, I, I think like on that, that writing aspect of the show, they in the 52 minutes, 53 minutes, whatever the runtime was for this week, they had all like kind of those different things of showing, okay, this is her athletic side. This is, you know, she has some wit to her. She has this. She has that vengeance of, like, I'm not going to let people just pick on people. And and those are the kind of things that, I, I don't know, like, as a dad of a daughter, it, like, watch this. You know, something to look up to. It's a positive. Yeah. Yeah. So... Well, is that your final thoughts, too? Because if you want, just move right into that. Uh, No, honestly, yeah, I guess we can move into that. We're we're getting towards the end here. But um, overall, I had zero expectations coming into this. I wasn't sure what I wanted. I don't know if I really wanted this. Uh, But honestly, just like most of the other things that have been put out by the DCU, it it was solid with the storyline. The acting was great. There's no... There was no like rough patches that you kind of see sometimes in pilots to where like chemistry isn't there between two people. Um, I I think they did a good job of slow playing this, that it wasn't like a big like the big, I guess, thing happened at the beginning of the show, you know, for those first 10 minutes. Yeah. And then you kind of get a slow reveal of why they're at the back into the small town USA in Nebraska uh, towards the end that that he's hunting for something. 
um, and, you know, finding out the Injustice Society is still there. All that was played out perfect in that typical CW way of, or not CW, um, DCU way of making you want to watch the next episode. To where it leaves you at that whole shit moment of, okay, this is, we can see where this is kind of going now. So if I was to give this like a right off the bat rating, I would put it at like a 78. You know, it's a pretty solid start. It's a pretty solid base to build off of. And, uh, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to covering it because it's a, a different story for them. Okay. So what was it? 78? Yeah. Okay. You trying to base yours off of mine now? No, I'm going to give this an 84%. I felt like it was an exceptional pilot. Many showrunners, as we all know, struggle with a pilot. He didn't try to do too much. He did just the right amount. He gave us those 15 minutes, which set the tone for the show. He then allowed everything to slow down. And we were able to learn about our characters during that, I don't know, after that teaser for most of the first, second, and third act. And then we learned of the potential threat. And we learned of the connection with her father. Who is her father? What's he have to do with any of this, if anything at all? You have that mystery. You have that hook. That's what I always look for in a pilot. I look for the opening teaser, Mm -hmm. and then I look for the hook. The hook is, why am I going to keep watching this? And obviously her father is connected to that hook. Why is she able to wield the, what is that thing called? The The cosmic staff. Yeah, the cosmic staff. Why is she worthy? That's a solid hook. I feel like the show is thoroughly thought out. I don't feel like they're just playing it fast and loose. You can tell there's a strategy and there's a plan here. The first episode was written very well. It's not perfect. There are some hiccups here and there. I feel like we should have learned more about Amy Smart, the mother. I feel like she kind of took a backseat a bit. Yeah. But I understand why. Uh, And we have an entire season ahead of us where we can learn more. Yeah. So solid entry. I am looking forward to this show. And I do agree with your thought that I don't know if I wanted this. It's it's something that like if someone said, "Hey, how about Stargirl? I'm like, uh, "How about go fuck yourself?" Like it's just not <laughs> it's not my thing. But because it premiered on the DCU, I mean, this is what their fifth show now, and it's a home run for the most part again. Yeah, I mean, they have Titans, Home Run, Doom Patrol, Home Run, Harley Quinn, Home Run, Swamp Thing. Even though it got canceled, eighty percent of the season, Home Run. DCU is churning out some great content. Yeah. And because of that, that's why I was willing to give Stargirl a chance. And I'm glad I did. Yeah, no, definitely. It's definitely there. And, and again, that to have a fully kind of CGI character in the staff. Yeah. I like that. I mean, it it has its own attitude and everything else. It's, it's another fun aspect there. Yeah. All right. So that does conclude our discussion today on Stargirl. Yeah. To think. The DC Universe Stargirl, not the CW. <laughs> I will never call it that. Because we watched all 53 minutes. Yeah. We're better. <laughs> all right. So we will be back. We are going to be covering these uh, every week. I don't know if I will be in the studio every week. I, I will try. If not, Bobby will be here with someone else, right? 
Hopefully. That's how we do things. I'll just monologue. Yeah. All right. I want to thank everyone for listening. And thank you, Bob. Thank you. Who are you, bitches? Mother of God. Would you look at the time when you came here? You had an hour. 